Changing the world is never as easy as it looks. And if we're going to look at the one whom we know first changed the world in a mighty way, first changed our own self, if we're going to look at our Lord Jesus, I think it's safe to say that he did the best he could with what he had to work with. If you think about Jesus' own life and ministry, he had to overcome quite a bit. He had to conquer quite a bit. You all remember the struggle he had with the Pharisees and the other religious uh, leaders. They were constantly going at one, one another. And I bet at one point, as Jesus hung there on the cross, it might have looked like that the Pharisees had overcome Jesus, that they had conquered him. But we all know the rest of that story, right? That's why we're here on Sunday morning, because we know that indeed Christ conquered the battle they constantly had, the test they constantly gave to him. Then there's those disciples that Jesus had with them all the time, always collectively putting their foot in their mouth, seemingly, always getting in the way, always saying the wrong thing, always thinking the wrong thing, sometimes even doing the wrong thing. It's kind of hard to change the world when that's who you're working with, but you know what? Christ conquered even that because he changed the world through disciples like that. And something tells me he still changes the world with disciples like that, right? I'm not saying anything about you, am I? Of course I am. And then there's all these people followed Jesus because to them he was the next greatest thing. He was the, the, the one that you just wanted to hear. It. You knew you could get something out of. And so people followed him everywhere he went. They just wanted the peace of him, peace of the spiritual action, just wanted to touch him, just wanted to hear him, just wanted something from him. And you know, when somebody's always trying to take and take and take, that can weigh on you, but Christ even conquered that. Christ even overcame and conquered what many of us might call uh, failure in leadership. If, if half of the church, this half right here, decided they're done, they're not coming back ever again, they're not coming on Sunday, they're going to stop giving, they're going to stop praying, they're going to stop doing everything, you holy righteous people over here, you wouldn't think, hey, what's wrong with those guys? You would point the finger at home. And that happened to Jesus, too. People said, oh, I follow you, Jesus. I believe in you. And then when things got a little tough, they said, we're out of here. But Jesus even overcame that. In our passage from Matthew today, it would seem that before any of those things that Jesus had to deal with, before he had to overcome the Pharisees or anything else, there was something that he had to first overcome. And it looks... Seemingly at first, that the first, what he had to overcome first, was the devil. But I'm going to suggest to you today, you have to overcome the devil. That's kind of easy for Jesus to do. In fact, as we read this, we shouldn't be too mad at the devil. The devil isn't that horned guy that we have in our mind, probably, at least according to the story. In fact, if you read it, it kind of sounds a whole lot like the book of Job, if you remember how that story opens up, where the devil, Satan's out and about, and he's doing his thing. He comes in for a break, he clocks in, he's sitting around the table, and God says, hey, what you doing today? Oh, nothing, doing what I usually do. Hey, you ever thought about Job? Now, yeah, okay, well, I'll get him next. And it kind of reads the same way, where the tempter devil is out in the wilderness, and it's just Jesus' turn to go out there to meet him. You can't be mad at the devil. I don't think we can say that the first thing Jesus had to overcome 
and conquer is the devil. In fact, the first thing that Jesus had to conquer to prepare for his God purpose in life was himself. We know and we understand this notion of moving on up, don't we? Working our way up, maybe in business, in our job, or in some organization. We know we start at the bottom and we've got to scrape and we've got to work, work like a dog and we sweat and we, we, we take stuff from people, but we know it's okay because one day we'll be able to take a step forward and we'll be at a new level of work maybe salary, maybe position or whatever. And we got to work through there, but we, we keep going and we have this idea that we can work our way up. But as far as working his way up, there's really no higher Jesus could have gone or could have been offered in this interaction with the tempter. What I mean to say is it started underneath the waters of his baptism. Matthew tells us that Jesus goes to see John the Baptist to be baptized. And of course, John says, no, 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 I can't do that. You should baptize me. But to fulfill all righteousness, Jesus says, we should do this. So John takes him, baptizes him under the waters, and he first comes up out of those waters. You know what the first thing he does after that is? He goes to the desert. I don't know about you, when people get baptized here or, or we do uh, uh, ceremonial things here, we have moments with God, we don't think, I want to go to the desert. We want to celebrate. We want to have a luncheon, right? We want to go out to eat. We want to, we want to celebrate. But the first thing Jesus does is go to the desert. That's kind of like having a holy moment here at church, maybe communion or experiencing God in some way and losing your religion in the parking lot. or around that lunch table at the restaurant or in the living room at home. It happens. Jesus, in fact, we're told, is led by the Spirit up to the wilderness. We've gone from under the water to up into the wilderness, and as it's there, he's fasting 40 days. And not, you know, these days, we like to turn that back. We say, well, you don't have to just not eat. You can uh, fast from... TV and Coke. That's true. That's kind of a wimpy fast. Jesus apparently fasted from everything 40 days. Scripture tells us that he was famished. Sometimes I tell Scripture, duh. He's famished. And as he's there and his hunger and his thirst, here comes the tempter. How you doing, Jesus? Look, 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 Jesus. I, look, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. You've already done your 40-day fasting, just like Moses did, right? Just like the prophet Moses, just like the prophet, prophet Elijah. You've done that. You've shown everybody from now on who you are. Even like the people of God who had to wander in the wilderness, you've done that here. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. I know you're the Son of God. You know you're the Son of God. You've done what you needed to. So, so why don't we just sit down and have a little bread together? Matter of fact, i got these rocks here. Why don't you turn them into bread and 
have a little snack. Now that should seem kind of odd to us because when you're hungry, what do you want to do? You want to eat. So why is eating a temptation? And I don't really think it's the fact that he wants to eat. But I think maybe what the tempter is saying, hey, since you know who you are, why don't you use that to your advantage for once? You know, get what you can while you can. Do something with it. Get something out of it. Of course, you know what Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by the very word. You're right. You're right, Jesus. You're right. Good job. I remember that verse, too. But come with me. Come with me. I want to show you something. So the tempter leads Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple. The highest point of the temple. And whether this is a physical journey that Jesus is going on, or whether this is something he's experiencing in his mind, who really knows, right? But I see Jesus there, and maybe he feels his feet on the stones of that temple, and as he looks down, and Satan, the the devil, says, you know, if you were to throw yourself down there, you could prove just how good God is. I mean, we all know God is good, and all the time. So prove it, Jesus. Just throw yourself down there. And you remember what that verse says, that not one of those stones is ever going to hurt you. Yeah, that sounds kind of weird to us. Why would that be a temptation? But I think what it seems to be suggesting to Jesus, hey, why don't you prove how good God is? And maybe even at the same time, prove how good you are too. We all need a little bit of self-encouragement, don't we? Come on, Jesus. Of course, you remember what Jesus said. Thou shalt not test the Lord your God. Yeah, you're right, Jesus. I tested God once, and yeah, we're not going to do that. Good, good job, Jesus. Okay. But, but come with me. I want to show you one more thing. Matthew tells us that the devil led him up to a high mountain. You see, all the kingdoms of the world, the kingdoms of the world are mine to give, and I'll give them to you. All you have to do is worship me. And that's a little bit easier for us to understand. We don't want to worship the devil. But part of what he's saying is, you tell God that what I have is more important than what he has. That's a real temptation we all can deal with struggle with, but you remember what Jesus says. Get away from me, Satan. We worship God and God alone. The devil flees and Jesus is attended to by the angels, we're told. Now there's two questions that really get to me as I read and reread that story. And the first question is, Do you think Jesus knew that it was the Spirit of God who was leading him to go into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Do you think Jesus knew 
it was the Spirit who was leading him to be tempted. I wonder about that because at first I might think, okay, well, thanks a lot, God. You know, I thought things were going to be good and we were going to do some good stuff together, but you're sending me to the desert to do what? Or maybe he did know. Maybe that's what gave him strength through it all. Maybe through his hungering and his thirst over 40 days, knowing that God had brought him here, something gave him enough courage and strength to get through it. I don't know. What do you think? Because the Spirit does lead us. That is an assurance we have that God's Spirit guides us and takes us. And what we realize is that sometimes God's Spirit takes us to wonderful and great places of faith, great places of life. We also know There's some strange places that the Spirit leads us as well. But we're still called to go. Another question I have about this this story with our Lord is, in my mind, I'm sure probably in a lot of your minds as well, you you prove yourself first to get where you want to be or to get what you want. You, you pass the test so you can graduate, right? You do well on the interview so you can get the job, right? It doesn't work the other way, does it? At least according to God, it seems to work the other way. Why, why didn't Jesus, why wasn't Jesus tempted first and then baptized? Why didn't he have to prove himself first and then be able to soak in the waters of baptism and begin his ministry. Why was he baptized first and then tempted? And I kind of wonder if maybe that's a lesson for us right there. That as we read the story of Jesus' own temptation, what we are seeing in part is an image of our own baptism. That there will come a time and there will be times when we are going to have to decide who we will be as God's people. There will be times we are going to have to decide whose we are going to be as God's people. See, we have this crazy idea that disciples of Christ have the ability with the power and the grace of God behind them to transform the world. When you walk into the door the church every Sunday, you see a sign up there that we put to remind you that our mission as a church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Changing the world isn't always an easy thing to do. we're going to work our way towards that, there are going to be things we have to overcome. Things we have to conquer. Sometimes we're going to have to overcome the fighting we have with each other. I don't know if you know this now, but church people, they do. Sometimes we're going to have to overcome things on the outside that press us and that test us and that shake us, that scare us. We're going to have to overcome our own fears sometimes. 
have to overcome a lot. Even those religious people that Jesus dealt with, you know what? We're going to have to deal with them too. But you know what the first thing that you and I are going to have to conquer so that we can have our God-purpose life? Ourselves. Will it be God's will that leads us or will it be something else? Amen.